0: Hello, this is Control-Alt-Delete, and today's episode is with the Step Up Club. Alice Ollins and Fenella Mailfine are the driving force behind Step Up Club, the platform that champions the success of ambitious, hardworking women. And they have now published a book with Ebrey called Step Up. And it's full of practical advice for stepping it up in your career. The book is so helpful and it is so full of advice. It's not just about being a top CEO, but it's just about having your voice heard in whatever sector you're in and whatever job you've got and climbing the ladder and being as successful as you want to be. And obviously success is different for everyone and they make that really clear in the book that it really is a personal thing and I really like it. It's career self-help. Alice spent a decade at The Times and now she is the fashion features director at large at Red magazine. Fenella began her career as an international finance lawyer in London and New York and she is now an executive coach. She coaches and trains top professionals on topics like women's leadership and maternity and return to work. So um, very different career backgrounds but The brilliant blend of them together has made step up the book which i really recommend you get so here's the podcast episode and thank you again to alice and fenella for being so honest on this episode we had a really lovely chat and um i'm very grateful for them taking time out to talk to me so here it is really excited to talk to you both so i read step up a few weeks ago came out last month and the first question I wanted to ask was, did you feel like you
1: had different barriers to your career in your 20s versus now? Have, has that changed? Well, I think as two women, I'm Alice. I think, um, I think things change constantly. And I think something that we feel that's unique about Step Up is that we're very, we come from very different career backgrounds. So our kind of pressures and um, our careers have evolved in very different ways. And between our 20s and 30s, personally, for me, There's been a huge change. I mean, I look back at myself in my 20s and I think about the fashion assistants now that I work with and there's that just constant kind of fear and, like, hope and all these feelings that you keep inside your head and you're not really able to communicate them because you don't feel in a position where you can speak. And I think that's something that I now communicate to my team who I work with and try and empower them, not only because of Step Up, because of just thinking back to myself and how I was then. And I think youth can be something that makes you feel insecure and actually that's Um, not true at all and I think something we talk about a lot in the book is how you can like reverse mentoring and the importance of kind of young people and the impression and especially now with kind of digital media and all these kind of changes I think if I look back I would give myself the advice that you know you are still important you aren't so senior but actually you are still important now I'm still not important (laughs) but I have different pressures so just uh, family work-life balance pressures and having our own thing writing our own book and having this kind of crazy um, step-up world um, has really enhanced our careers. I think it's given us the confidence that we talk about so much in the book. Um, And I think that partly comes with age and experience, but I think finding something that we genuinely feel passionate about, this step-up bubble, I think has a positive effect on our careers and definitely on my kind of thirties, my working life now. For me, the work-life balance thing probably
2: kicked in earlier than for most people. So when I was your age, I already had kids Um, but it definitely it definitely increases as you have more children and and they get older and there are more commitments for them and my husband also has his own business now so juggling those two things and obviously we have um, Alice and I each a step up and our own businesses or day jobs so that's been a theme maybe that that's that's come more to the fore in our 30s Having said that, what I observe when I work, so my day job is um, coaching and, and training, and I, partic- I do work with men as well, but I particularly work with women in lots and lots of big companies, banks or firms, corporates. And I observe that when I'm working with women, even in their 20s, that idea of balance and wanting to have something outside of work is often, and when you're talking about gender, everything is a generalisation. So obviously there's a spectrum on all of these things, and there will be women who don't feel this way, and there will be men who feel... Um, who, who identify with what I'm talking about in, in relation to women but um, what, what I observe and we talk about this um, female career model or modern career model or kaleidoscope career in the book is that balance and having something external to work actually is already quite important in your 20s as a woman. You, you're not prepared to give everything to work. You want to have friendships and you want to have interests outside of work as well or combine your work and your interests and, and that is... Um, part of having this very nuanced definition of success outside of just career progression and making lots of money, which are really important too, mm. but things are broader than that. So, so I'm not sure that things have changed for me, it's more that they've evolved, so they present in different ways, yeah. but I actually always really cared about being balanced, that's why um, I stopped being a corporate lawyer when I was in my 20s,
0: because yeah. I have no balance. Yeah, I know you talk about, you mentioned burnout in the book, and when things get all a bit much, do, is it kind of every day is like a new day or is it do you fall into routines now this is my set hours this is when I switch off weekends are for my kids like is it compartmentalized like that or is it just every day let's just do this so we were actually
2: writing a column about this. We're, we're um, columnistic at The Gloss um, on Careers. We were writing a column about this last night mm-hmm. in a very unbalanced way. Um, and one of the things that we talk about in the book is about being in tune with your natural rhythms and your natural preferences. So what that, the re, there's lots there's lots of research around it and it's called Flex Styles. And what that means is, is that for some people, what you're talking about, which is being really clearly delineated, you know, weekends I do this, nine till five I do that. For some people that works really, really well. Um, For for other people it doesn't work that well and actually it's really counterintuitive and they would feel boundaried by that, they would feel hemmed in and they would feel unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. So it's really about understanding how you work best and, and being attuned to that. So as an example, um, I I would be um, more of a, a separator, which means that I am exactly what you're talking about. So I like to, I'm a very organized person. I like to be really boundary. That's what my personality is like. So I would prefer to say, okay, on these days I work and while I'm working, I'm working and then I finish at six and I come home and then that's when I'm with my kids and my phone is downstairs and I wouldn't take a call and then I would log back on the next morning. And I'm I would, jealous. I'm going to be able to do that <laughs> so, and, so much. And, and, that is, and that is something that feels much more comfortable for me. Having said that, with Step Up, I've had to flex that a little bit and I've had to kind of step outside my comfort zone, but I'm constantly aware that when I step too far outside of that, so for example, right, we're doing a lot of our work in the evenings because we just have so much to do, um, that if I do too much, then that has a really, really negative impact on me. So I now, for example, um, switch off my computer at a certain time every night because otherwise what time actually nine o'clock so it's quite early Mm -hmm. um and I don't do any work isn't that
0: crazy that's early to be such yeah like it's someone you know two generations above would be like shocked wouldn't they that we don't switch off till 9 p.m and that's good it's
2: it's yeah it's ridiculous isn't it but we're all doing it and especially people who have their own businesses I think are doing it or people who are um doing something outside of work and some people can be very very energized by that my husband's still doing emails lying in bed and he literally will send an email at 11 o'clock at night switch off his phone
1: and sleep and that's just not the way that I'm able to work. Mm. I think Fenella touched on something that definitely resonates with me and that's that because I think what Fenella was going to say is that Alice is more of an integrator um, and I think I was a complete integrator especially when i didn't have my own business so when Explain. so an integrator sorry um as a comparison to finello is kind of the stark opposite so i am someone who historically enjoyed um blending all my kind of work life commitments responsibilities um, actions all at the same time um, and i did enjoy that at a time when i worked for someone else so, in my job when I was at the Times and uh, also kind of at Marie Claire, and read all my writing jobs, um, because when I was at work, I was able to write produce what I had to produce and it was always a very confined finite kind of product that I could then just send on to somebody else who then subbed it or laid it out onto the page. When I left work if I needed to action something on an email it didn't feel very pressured it was something that I could easily action Mm -hmm. and then switch my brain off from. Since the kind of evolution um, of Step Up and especially since the book's been launched and everything's really kind of moved up a gear I actually feel incredibly stressed by that blended approach Um, and i actually felt in september when everything launched and that i actually felt overwhelmed i got to a stage where i'm actually not enjoying this and i did exactly what we say in the book and that's that i moved i between different kind of flex styles so now i really try to separate my work and my life i don't feel energized by blending them i actually feel stressed by that Um, and so now I try to do what Fenella does and I I don't check my emails when I'm with my kids or even when I'm not with my kids if I'm just walking down the street I don't do it and email at the same time because it just... It makes me feel jittery, and I think that jittery, that anxiety, and anxiety is such a kind of um, overused word at the moment, but I began to feel anxious, and it was definitely that blend of doing everything at the same time, and never just having time for my brain, which is something I really enjoy as a journalist, just letting things ruminate in my brain and having that time and space. I felt like every moment of my time was being taken up by emails, and actually, it was my husband who said, you know, you don't have to reply immediately to an email. Just because an email is an instantaneous way of communicating with someone, not everyone expects you to reply that moment and actually I kind of took a step back and thought right I do need to separate so I think you can as we say in the book you know you can and you need to be have some kind of perspective on um, your work and your life balance and not stay committed if if you're feeling like things are out of tune to kind of reassess that Um, because actually small Amendments and similar to Finella, like I just try to contain my time a little better now, has actually had a real impact on me, and I do feel mildly less anxious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God,
0: that's really resonated with me because I've only been self-employed for this year since January, and it's like it, you can kind of make your actions worse in a way. Like if you reply straight away, then people expect you to yeah. reply straight away, exactly. and then if you don't, they think, "Oh, where is she?" Or and I don't. I always feel like there's always something to be doing, yeah. but then that's the same with everyone yeah. and I'm not saving the world I'm not Hillary Clinton but.
2: there's a really um, good model which we talk about in the book which comes from Stephen Covey's um, work on the seven um, habits of highly successful people which actually there's loads of good stuff in that book um, but one of the models that we use which is really really helpful when you're thinking about that is his story about the rocks do you know that story? so it's about a professor and he is standing in front of the class and he has a kind of he's got a jar and he puts a load of big rocks into the jar up to the top and then he says is the jar full and they say yes because it's full of rocks and he says well actually no it isn't and he puts a load of pebbles in and they kind of fall in the gaps around the rocks is it full no because they're not idiots they know it's not full now so they say no he puts in and he puts in sand and then he does it again and he puts in water and now the jar is full and he says to them, what am I trying to show you with this analogy? And they say, what you're trying to show us is, is that even when you think that your day is completely full, that you've got no more, no more space to give you, you can always find time to do something else. Mm. And he says, no, that is the opposite of what I'm showing you. What I'm showing you is that if you didn't put the rocks in first, if you didn't work out what the really, really important things are, then the sand and the pebbles and the water would go in there and you would never get the rocks in. Right. And I think that is really useful and it's something that we use a lot because email is basically water.
0: Mm. And so, oh, you can spend about,
2: your whole day yeah, putting water can, in the jar. You can spend a whole day putting water in the jar, replying to emails like, oh, that's a really fun conversation on Twitter. Like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll just quickly do that. And then you get to the end of the day and you think, oh, all those really important things. You might not even, because you're so caught up with all the kind of um, the pebbles and the water that you, that you haven't even really thought about what the rocks are. What are the really fundamental things that I want to be focusing on and I want to be doing? And so, for, for us, it's it's part, one of the things that we feel really strongly about in the book and that we talk about a lot in, in step up is um identifying what your rocks are what are the most important things for your career what are the most important things actually in your life as well be really clear about those and how you're going to fit those in and then let everything else fall in around the edge yeah
0: and i was saying just before we started recording that my favorite one of my favorite bits is the bit about um failure because that's just really stuck with me where um it's clear that you have both Done so much in your careers that it's all been like trial and error, and also that didn't work. Oh well. And the bit about um, if you don't think of failure as failure, and you think of it as a lesson learned. I had something go horribly wrong this weekend, and I read that bit, reread that bit, and I thought, actually, you know, maybe it was a mistake, and I'll be totally more confident because I know the worst case scenario. And I wondered, is there anything in particular that really kind of changed you?
2: I think for for me. I had always envisaged a particular career and a few times in my career that has gone um, in inverted commas wrong uh, so I had always pictured for myself as a lawyer because I used to watch Ally McBeal and Ally McBeal was really cool <laughs> and it looked really fun and I was going to be Ally McBeal and then I went and it just wasn't like that it was really um, difficult really really difficult and so then I, I sort of I sort of grieved and came to terms with that and then um, moved forward and and went into banking and and I was a fund manager, so I was running uh, equity funds, hedge funds, um, at a big bank, and that was really exciting. The hours were better. I mean, they were still long, but they were much better. Um, the way you know, the kind of way we were dealing with people was better. The kind of client client facingness of it. Um, and then I um, uh, got got pregnant. Um, not necessarily that I had planned to get pregnant in my mid-twenties and and it didn't come at the best time for my career and suddenly that my pregnancy coincided with um, 2007, so that was uh, not a good time to be working in hedge funds. And suddenly this career, the second career that I was like, you know, I'd reset myself. Suddenly, if I ever wanted to see my child, that was no longer going to be an option either. And my confidence was just completely shattered. I felt completely worthless. And I remember really clearly going to a party, a friend's birthday party, actually. And her dad is a very, very well-known businessman. Quite, quite kind of scary and, um, and he said to me what do you do and it was when I had just resigned from my mm-hmm. job and I, and I had a, a, a toddler and what I was was you know I own a mom and that's fine, you know. But what I said to him was, oh, well, I'm uh, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a farm manager and I'm just, you know, uh, I'm just moving firms. Which wasn't true. Mm. I wasn't moving firms. I had no intention of going back to do that because I knew I couldn't combine it and I wanted to see my son sometimes. That was really important to me. And that was a real um, kind of awakening because I realized that my confidence was so tied up with my role and external perceptions of my role and that had I said I was a mum, I felt that he would not have been Happy to talk to me and wouldn't have been interested in me, and you know that probably wasn't
0: true. That was completely in my head. You talk about that a lot in the book about um, your definition of success <laughs> versus someone else's, because yeah. that was his version of success. Yeah. Whereas actually, it's a really hard one to walk into a room and be like, "This is what I do."
2: Yeah, but, but at that time, I didn't feel successful. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel successful because I was like, "Oh, I'm just mum. That's rubbish." And I had to spend quite a long time resetting myself. Mm-hmm. And actually, I went to see a coach, and that was one of the things that really inspired me to go into coaching. Oh, really? Uh, because I saw her and I thought, you know, actually as I see her, I can see how I can make a career out of doing things that are natural to me and that I enjoy and I can build on the things I've done before and and, and learn from the things that have gone wrong and help other people with those things. And that's kind of what we've done with Step Up as well is take, take experiences like that, mine, um, other people's, things in research and, and and hopefully turn those around to become really useful so that someone for example like you yeah. can go and open it and say
1: okay that's gone wrong mm. other people have learnt from that I can learn from that too. Yeah mine's much more personal so you're going to probably have to cut this if I break down to tears but um yeah so I had a very easy career at the times um so, so you know it's fine I don't mind talking about it but I'm it's weird. It's like when people actually ask me specifically, I find it very emotional to me. I'm not going to go into everything, but I had a very difficult personal situation which impacted on my career. I want to be able to talk about it. I, I lost a child, and it had obviously a huge effect on me personally. i writing the book. I didn't realise it at the time, but it was a huge kind of, in a way, like a release for me because I was able to draw on a lot of stuff that had happened about overcoming difficult situations and I think something that I feel very strongly about and that all this is doing is just putting loads of extra money in my emotional bank basically because I am the emotional one and now I'm crying again but um, I really feel with the book that there is a very emotional kind of backbone to it and Mm. somebody said to me this week, you know, it's amazing that you can help other women who don't even know that they've been in difficult situations and Mm. I think I draw on that and This only happened twice when someone asked me about exactly that question you say, which is, like, have you ever overcome something difficult? Mm -hmm. In fact, we were interviewed sitting on this sofa just a couple of weeks ago, and the the journalist directly asked us, you know, like, how do you feel that other women are going to look at you and think you're really glamorous, like, you look gorgeous on your website, and everything seems to be going away. And at that point, we were feeling extremely fuzzled, like, we were right at the tip of the kind of um, tipping point of (laughs) stress and overwhelm Um, and I I personally was a bit little bit taken aback because even though we talk about it in other terms and we try to encourage our readers um, away from that it actually hadn't occurred to me that they would look at us in those terms I mean all lots of other beautiful, amazing people on Instagram, and I kind of, I was a little bit shocked in a way, thinking, well, that's exactly what we're not trying to do about ourselves, and it's hard to create the public image and, you know, our profile and 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 presenting ourselves to step up is very important to us because we we are about kind of having a stylish conversation around. among other things, um, careers, making careers aspirational and interesting and youthful and all the things that they should be. And we we want to take the conversation around careers away from the boardroom because it Mm. doesn't resonate with everyone. But I think the upshot of that is that we then create this image that maybe is intimidating to some people. And I think that's something that we try definitely with the tone of the book. Um, and to giving our little pieces of ourselves away in there to kind of say, you know, we definitely struggle, we definitely don't feel like we are able to manage on all fronts at all times. And I think that that real tone of voice definitely comes, I hope, really comes through, because that's something we felt very strongly about, isn't it?
2: Yeah, when, when this journalist last week who was interviewing us said this to us,
1: um,
2: that she sort of, yeah, felt that, you know, she couldn't aspire to be aspire to be
1: like us, that we were yeah. so successful. But the funny thing Take is I out. have that constantly yeah. with my fashion stuff, so people always say oh my god you've got the most amazing job, like you work on a fashion desk at a glossy magazine, like do you get free stuff all the time, um, you know, do you go to the shows, do you do all that stuff, but I just think maybe it's like it's just not in my personality to think of myself like that like i I like to deflect the attention away Mm. in that capacity and i i suppose with the fashion thing i can always say well yeah but you know there's loads of other stuff that goes on and yeah um but i think was maybe because i hold step up very closely to my heart and Mm. i think that we've put so much of ourselves in it so i think when you're talking about i don't know but something about that like it's our thing when we so carefully building it because we're conscious of so many things about women and that the, the whole point of it is to build other women up is to not make other women feel insecure yeah so. but i mean you know when, when people say that to me when i'm coaching similarly yeah, yeah i say to
2: them you know um you know what what is it that you know what is it about my career that you think is so amazing because um, you know, I can tell you very honestly that there are lots of things in my career that, that are really that are really not. And often it doesn't only encompass my career, but you know, my um, my three children and my you know my my. Sometimes when I see individual clients, I have a consulting room at home, so they see my house, that kind of thing, and they see this kind of picture perfect um, uh, life that they think that they would like to inhabit, but the reality of it. Is, I'm not saying that it's so terrible, but the, you know the the reality of it is not that we've yeah. all got we've all got uh, um, another an, another kind of model that we use in the book in one of our workouts is um, the um, pie chart of your life and your life is separated into lots of different bits. So um, and for different people there probably will be different bits in there. So work, um, health, family, hobbies, all different things like that. And nobody has.
0: 10 out of 10 on every single piece of that pie nobody does I know you talk about this in the book about you have to kind of say pat yourself on the back and say I've worked really hard for this there's nothing wrong with that it's a really weird topic the whole like uh, lucky versus not lucky and I think people get backlash sometimes like Victoria Beckham said in the Style magazine recently like I'm not lucky and a lot of people were like well you are because you were there in the right time right place and I know that's harsh but people are quite mean about the luck thing. I don't know what I think actually about that yet. I don't know how much of my success is luck. Um, But I do believe in in sitting
1: down and being like, you did well today. We talk about luck in the book. um, And we talk about it in the sense that you shouldn't use luck as a kind of validation for how well you've done so we are all lucky and we're all unlucky in life you know you can't you can't victoria beckham has been lucky you mean it's a fact of life but equally, awesome. she might not have... You know, it's about how you um, build on that luck, how you take those moments. I was lucky that I was at the time's being a work experience being paid for no- nothing when they suddenly needed someone longer term. Well, I said that once to my boss, and she's like, yeah, but you were also just really good. So if you weren't good, I wouldn't have given you the job. Well, which is a nice thing mm-hmm. for her to say. But I think, you know, there'll always be luck Lurking about but also you have to um, You have to work hard you have to you have to make your own you have to make your own luck And then you have to then appreciate exactly what you're saying what you've achieved and not defer to luck and it's something kind of uh, innately female I think to and it's that deflecting thing again to um, Say that you've been lucky when actually, you know deep down that you've worked bloody hard for that promotion and to be able to say and it takes confidence to say I actually worked really hard for that, and I think I really deserve that promotion. I'm really happy rather than say, oh, I was just really lucky. you know, They just liked me that one moment on the day. Uh, so I think that luck and using luck in those terms is kind of um, linked into confidence, and what we try and do is uh, highlight that.
0: I really liked that bit. Yeah.
1: Because I, I wrote for The Pool
0: recently about self promotion and kind of being like, I self promote myself. I'm not ashamed anymore of being like, here's my thing. It's like, I worked so hard on this thing, why would I not? But then that's, I think that's creating luck. Like the more times you kind of put yourself out there, someone's stumbling across you, luckily, you've done that.
2: I think there's a really big difference between luck and the environment that you're in. So um, as an example, when I'm working with people who are bankers now, if I'm you know, coaching in a bank, they might say, well, you know, those people 10 years ahead of me were just really lucky because you know, the environment was different then and you could make big bonuses and blah, blah, blah. And now, (laughs) yeah, and, and, you know, houses were cheaper and, you know, mortgages were were easier to come by. And and they're they're really, really lucky. Well, yes, they were operating in a different environment. That's that's absolutely true. But you have advantages now that they don't have, that they didn't have. So, for example, um, what you've done, would have been impossible 10 years ago Mm -hmm. because social media didn't, I mean, it existed, but in a very basic format, you know, the the ability to promote yourself on no budget didn't really exist. So yes, we're all operating in different environments and with different life circumstances. Um, We've all had different starts, but at the end of the day, whether you are successful or not... A lot of that is down to what you personally do. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just is, and when you can
0: have are, a lucky start, and then yeah. it can take a lot quite easily. And so
2: and so many people are in that in that situation, and it's amazing how people who have been, um, you know, I'm wary of using the word successful because we're quite conscious that success is often used in a very particular format of power and money and that's not necessarily what I mean by success but it's amazing how people who are successful tend to continue to be successful and success begets success and that can't be just luck. and we know from research that not only are women more likely to attribute things to luck when they're talking about it. So as I was talking about a promotion, women are much more likely to say, oh, you know, oh, it's just lucky because they want to be modest and they don't want to self-promote. But we also know from research that women are more likely to internally attribute that to luck. So they, it's not just that they're saying it, they actually believe mm-hmm. that they were just lucky and that they maybe they didn't really deserve it. And that is a very difficult thing to get past.
0: I wanted to ask about um, like the mentorship that you talk about in the book. I love that example of Lena Dunham and Nora Ephron you guys clearly work so well together and act as like mentors to each other you're very different who else has mentored you through the years or is there someone that you would want to mentor you yeah, or so do you so not need mentors really, anymore?
2: no, 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 no. you always, always need a mentor I don't think it necessarily is one person in, in, in Step Up we talk about a smallest group of mentors mm-hmm. And that is really true. If you go out there searching for this one holy grail of mentorship, you will yeah. not find um, it. Or they could let you down as well. Yeah, they might. And, and but also, you're just not going to find someone that perfectly encompasses everything that you want out of a mentor. Somebody who's going to push you forward and give you opportunities. Somebody who's going to help you. Who's going to support you. Who's going to be an emotional crutch. Who's going to um, give you skills. You know, all those things you can't get that out of one person. But we we yet, haven't yet identified the personal people who. We, I suppose who, who have forged a path that we're forging and we would love to find that, but I suspect that we won't find that because like you, I think we're forging a path that hasn't really been forged before. Mm-hmm. So that's quite difficult, but we definitely each have mentors in our own fields. Um, so I personally have got um, a, few, a few different coaches I work with or work for who I take little bits from. So for one, it might be that she's really supportive in terms of... Um, business development and how I can improve a business development or who I should be speaking to my mother-in-law is actually an amazing uh, work mentor because she has four children and a massive career and she still has a massive wow. career um, but is also super involved in family um, she has a full-time job with lots of travel but will often go and pick my children up from school, help me out um, she is a very powerful woman, woman running a part of a large international organisation and it's very helpful to have her to be able to lean on, but uh, but I just as much lean on a whole host of other people as well as well as Alice. I think yeah. I think being in a partnership is this sort of inbuilt uh, mentorship mm-hmm. from from the minutiae of checking out each other's emails, which is really nice to have somebody look at your email before you send it, to the big strategic things. Mm-hmm. It's it's really helpful to have a to have a check and, and balance for us, but
1: not for everybody. Not everybody likes having a mm-hmm. partner, but but for us as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I've got. Uh, also like a range of women some of whom I'm not really in contact with so I suppose they people I've worked with who are more become role models of people that I just think they're amazing writers I just always read their work and just they inspire me in a kind of creative way and then other other, um, it's always my ex-bosses or people I've worked very closely with who I can just phone up to ask questions or um, interview for the book or get advice on and I think I've been lucky that I've worked um, in industries that are very female-dominated, um, with very intelligent, interested, supportive women. Um, I really haven't come up against that many kind of difficult, um, obstructive types. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do draw on those women for different things in my life. And I, th- I've, I, I was about to say I feel really lucky about that um, I do feel lucky about that I feel lucky that I'm in an industry where I can look up to other strong women I think lots of people don't have that in their industries and I hold that very tight um, and I definitely use their experience but you are also really good at keeping in contact with people
2: and reaching out to people yeah. and not being afraid to reach out to people you know, as mm. appropriate and
1: being conscious yeah. that people actually that's probably because nice I've had to interview like, yeah. those really famous people and yeah. no one's as scary as a Kim Kardashian type mm-hmm. so I think you know your old boss I just yeah. get it done just send out that email and if they don't reply they don't reply I'm the same I've had lots of female bosses
0: and most of the time it is amazing I love supporting other people and I love it when you'll collaborate for a lot of people I think after reading this book like it is possible to work really closely together and not have any element of like weird competitiveness
1: or um, I have seen that happen and I've seen that happen with people that work very closely together someone was, I was talking about partnerships with someone recently and she's in a partnership herself. And I think she described, I haven't even told you this, but it's, just, it's a good description. She said, we're both really competitive for what we do, not against each other. And I, I think that's that. exactly how we are with Step Up. Yeah. Like, we're really, really competitive. We really want it to get out there. We want it to be brilliant. We want it to be a bestseller. I mean, who, you know, why would you not want your book to be a bestseller? Um, but we're not competitive against each other. And I think that that kind of positiveness that we just push all of those energies and feelings Mm -hmm. into step up to push step up forward and there's no point in being Mm competitive with each other because we're different we've got different skills so Mm -hmm. um. it it
2: always amazes me how much when I work with people in corporates how they're you know that queen bee syndrome Mm -hmm. it really is alive and well in there and um you know women who are blocking out other women's sunlight and want to be the only woman at the table and and that really um it shocks me because when you're driving towards a common goal, as Alice and I are, if we started fighting with each other, I mean, yeah, we'd be using all our energy on that. And what, what about the energy to actually make things a success successful, make a difference, which is what we're trying to do? Thank you so much. Thank, Thank,
0: you. You. Thank you. If you like this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me, I'd love to hear your feedback so thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week bye